On today's episode of Locked on NHL, we discuss the Nashville Predators, all the moves that they made in the offseason. Are they better this year than last? Plus, will the Vancouver Canucks make a leap under head coach Rick Tockett? And what is going on in St. Louis? Are the Blues going to be good this year, or is it time for a step back? All that and more on today's episode. Let's get things started. You're Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into a Western Conference Tuesday edition of Locked On NHL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown NHL your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any new episodes throughout the course of the week. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. On today's Western Conference Tuesday edition of Locked On NHL, we continue our big question series talking about the Nashville Predators, the Vancouver Canucks, and the St. Louis Blues to try to get a sense of where each team is at heading into the start of the season. My name is Seth Topol, host of Locked On Wilds, joined by my co-host for our Tuesday edition of Locked On NHL, Nick Morgan of Locked On Predators. Nick, we are getting down to the end of this uh, little roller coaster that we uh, were on with big questions of every Western Conference team, uh, which means that, uh, again, we are right down to the end of the preseason. Regular season is just about here. We've already seen some great uh, preseason hockey, the Australia games. Were super fun to watch. Uh, really cool seeing uh, Logan Cooley get his uh, highlight reel first goal. Uh, and also, can I just point out, also hilarious to see a team has already lost 10 to nothing uh, in preseason action. So, uh, boy, return to actual hockey has been fantastic. Let me tell you, Seth. And we'll talk about that team that lost 10 to nothing here uh, in just a little bit. But first, we're going to start with the Nashville Predators. And uh, Nick, you're going to be well-versed in this discussion. And so I'll start with my question heading into the season. And really, it comes down to this. So the Predators made a ton of moves in the offseason. They they bought out uh, Matt Duchesne. He ends up going to the Dallas Stars. They trade Ryan Johansson to Colorado. Um, they bring in Ryan O'Reilly. Th- there were a lot of moves made that Barry Trotz was uh, trying to kind of retill the soil uh, for this Nashville Predators team. Is this team better than the one that we saw on the ice last season? Are the moves that were made enough to get them cl- closer to the postseason discussion? And by closer, I mean they barely lost out last year to get to the postseason. Mm-hmm. Are these moves going to be enough to get them into the playoffs this season? No. <laughs> quite, quite frankly, no. 
Um, it's going to come down to UC Soros and if he has another just, you know, put the team on its back performance. Here's the biggest thing, Seth, and, and I think the biggest question mark is the Preds don't didn't have a lot of scoring to begin with last year. Uh, and now they have even less of it. Uh, you got rid of Matt Duchesne this offseason, who was your leading goal scorer last year, and also two years ago had 43 goals. Uh, you let go of Ryan Johansson, uh, Mikhail Granlin, Tanner Janot, Nino Niederreiter, Matthias Eckholm, Ellie Tolvanen, all guys that aren't on the team anymore that left midseason. The Preds have to replace 78 goals from last year. And remember, that was on an offense that was pretty bad. So that's over like, you know, 38, I think it wound up being 38% of the total goal scoring from last year. Is the, the moves they made, is that enough? Like, is that enough to get back to where you need to be scoring at to be a legitimate NHL contender? Not even a you know, legitimate contender, but just good enough to be in the playoff conversation. Um, I mean, you would expect maybe Ryan O'Reilly takes the reins on some of it, but he's not really, you know, a pure goal scorer. That's never really been his game. Gustav Nyquist, you know, not the same. That's also not his game. And he's also kind of not the same player as he was a few years ago. This is going to fall on the backs of, number one, Philip Forsberg. Uh, if he's healthy, he's got to shoulder that load. And number two, are the young players going to step up? And do the Preds have the right uh, combination of prospects to step up and fill that scoring gap? Because they're not only going to need to get back. Remember, they're not trying to get back to where they were last year. They're trying to be better goal scoring wise than they were last year. And that is going to take a big effort from a lot of the team. And a lot of the team are going to have to take a big step forward. Uh, otherwise you're going to be looking at a lot of two, one, one, nothing games uh, to, to try to get back in the playoff race. The other question that I have for the predators is you look at their top six, Gustav Nyquist, Ryan O'Reilly, Philip Forsberg, to name a few, all players who missed varying amounts of time, uh, not only this past season, but the previous season as well. And I know it's one thing to have a player get hurt and miss time. They may not necessarily be chronically injured. Uh, so it's it's important to make kind of the distinction between the two. Will the injury bug bite the Nashville Predators this season? Or can they get, because if they can get solid production from say Gustav Nyquist if he plays somewhere around 70 games he can give you some solid scoring and uh, some solid play in that top six Ryan O'Reilly same way Philip Forsberg same way will those guys play closer to between 70 and 80 games or is it going to be closer to 50 to 60 if it's closer to 50 to 60 that's where the problems start to come in and that's where as you alluded to the offense that struggled last year losing a lot of its scoring you got to find those goals somewhere if those guys uh, aren't out on the ice yeah and, and that's going to be the big question and i think a, a big help is also going to be how are some of these current preds going to play in andrew burnett's system he's known as a run and gun coach like a guy that you know 
maybe sells out some other areas of the game to make sure that his team is always attacking, to make sure they always have good offensive chances. Uh, does that lead to a big improvement for Philip Forsberg if he stays healthy? Uh, does Roman Yossi maybe go back to where he was a, a couple of years ago, like the 96-point season? Uh, not only that, but, you know, Tommy Novak, Cody Glass, some of these, like, younger Predators who are still trying to find roles on their team, do they thrive? Uh, under a new system, under a new coach, one that benefits, you know, kind of offensive play a little bit more. Uh, so that's, you know, that's, I think, the hope for Preds fans is that Burnett's new system is going to maybe help uh, accelerate some things, maybe find help some of these players find higher gears than what they have been playing at uh, in the past couple of years. It will be interesting to see how the Predators react to their new coach's system. We saw a little taste of that in Vancouver this past season as Rick Tockett was brought in to relieve Bruce Boudreau of his duties. And the Canucks responded in kind by playing much better in the second half than they did in the first half. Will that continue? We discuss that and more as we turn our attention to the Vancouver Canucks as we continue today's episode of Locked on NHL. After this, swing into NFL season with FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That is $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. And if you are new to the NFL, as many Taylor Swift fans probably are over the course of the last week. Uh, perfect time to hop in and throw some uh, money down on Travis Kelsey to break his player props with uh, some new Taylor Swift-driven life uh, to help propel him to new levels of fantasy stardom. Whether it be him, whether it be other Kansas City Chiefs players, whether it be your hometown team's players, you can get a ton of value with $200 in bonus bets whether it be spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on to get the NFL season started right. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We continue today's, cross, uh, today's Western Conference Tuesday edition of Locked on NHL. And thank you once again for making Locked on NHL your first listen each and every day. For the everydayers who tune in to this show on an everyday basis, you can continue the discussion with uh, the Eastern Conference as they uh, look to some of the biggest questions facing some of the best teams in what should be a stacked Eastern Conference. That's coming up tomorrow here on Locked on NHL. All right, Nick, the Vancouver Canucks, they let Bruce Boudreaux walk the plank last year. Rick Tockett comes in, team plays better. And uh, now the biggest question, I guess, in my mind is, will that carry over? Will we see this team be playoff competitive in their first full season under Rick Tockett? Yeah, and I think another big follow-up question is, uh, what happens if they're not? Because there's really no excuse for this team not to take the next step. You know, they have, you know, a franchise center. And Elias Pettersson, an elite NHL center. Uh, they have an elite number one defenseman in Quinn Hughes. 
and a goaltender in Thatcher Demko, who, you know, had a bad season last year, kind of derailed by injuries, but, you know, historically has been pretty good. Uh, so, you know, you have all the makings of a really good NHL franchise and then add into that, you know, guys like JT Miller, who had 82 points last year, Andre Kuzmenko almost scored 40 goals uh, as, um, you know, as, as a, you know, a younger player. So, you know, you have not just, you know, the elite stars, but you have this really deep supporting cast, you know, all up and down the lineup, you know, Brock Besser, Connor Garland, um, you know, and uh, Anthony Bolivier. So, you know, there's, there's all these great players there and it's just for some reason it hasn't been translating to wins uh, on the ice. And I think that's the big thing that Rick Tockett and staff need to solve is okay. We clearly have the pieces in place here. We clearly have the building blocks. What do we need to do to get these all firing in the same direction? How do we turn this into wins? Um, Because if, if it doesn't happen this year, like, boy, there is major stuff that needs to happen in Vancouver beyond trading one or two people. I mean, like a, a massive sort of undertaking to get this fixed. Yeah, and it's something that we've talked about in the past on this show um, in Elias Pettersson's status because he, at this point, is not not necessarily super inclined to opt in Uh, to a long-term deal with this franchise, especially if they scale back to try to find that new young core to build around. And so there are going to be a lot of ripple effects from this season if they perform well, if they are, I'm not even saying a playoff team, if they're just within the conversation of the postseason, uh, you feel like you're starting to kind of get some positive steps going forward. But if they struggle, if they take a step back, if they just look lifeless to start the season, it's probably time to inc- uh, entertain offers on a lot of players, including Elias Patterson. And so, you know, not only are, is that something to keep an eye on as well, but I'm really going to be excited to see how Thatcher Demko does. Uh, I know, as you mentioned, he did not have a particularly good season this past year. He was hurt um, for uh, a handful of games, just was not super effective at the start of the season. But let me tell you, he had a pretty darn good finish to the season um, under Rick Tockett. And so it's, it's kind of intriguing the possibility that there might be something there that Tockett can uh, can help try to unlock. Uh, because if you look at uh, how his stats went as the season wore on, let's look at the month of March. He was uh, 7-3-2, and 2.67 goals against average, a 9.09 save percentage. But then in the month of April, 3-1 and one with a 1.73 goals against average and a 9.48 save percentage. So... Did Rick Tockett and staff unlock something in Thatcher Demko that can carry over to this season? That's another fantastically intriguing question to keep an eye on. Yeah, and I think it's you you bring that up, and I think it's no surprise that when Thatcher Demko started playing, remember the Canucks sort of made that run uh, at the end of the year, had a very strong finish to the year. So, you know, that that's no coincidence that when, when Demko started playing better, the Canucks started playing better. I think that also 
kind of gives you an indication of, you know, maybe just how good this team can be with the goaltending. Uh, because, you know, as we saw, they, hey, we just talked about the Nashville Predators and them getting almost into the playoffs just because of UC Soros absolutely tearing it up, you know, down the stretch. Uh, Thatcher Demko, you know, he plays even like average level, you know, kind of just average of what we're used to seeing him play. Like the Canucks have the tools to be, you know, at least a top six team in the West uh, that, you know, cause I would say just because of everything that's happened this offseason, the West is kind of wide open, you know, behind Vegas, behind Dallas, behind Colorado. So, you know, with the tools that the Canucks have, you know, good goaltending, I think puts them right there as, you know, maybe one of like the six best teams in the West, maybe a dark horse to kind of make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, because as we look at Demko's numbers, uh, final point I'll make on this, and then we'll uh, we'll move on to St. Louis. But he was one five and one in October, four point zero five goals against average, and an eight seventy four save percentage. He only had two starts in which he gave up fewer than, not equal to and less than, fewer than four goals. So he gave up four or more the rest of the month, which is not great. And then in November. Two, four, and one, 3.56 goals against average and an 895 save percentage. And he only had one, uh, two, three starts in November in which he gave up fewer than four goals. So then he got hurt, missed basically all the way through to March. And uh, after that, just a completely different guy. So a lot riding on Thatcher Demko between the pipes for the old Vancouver Canucks this coming season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's going to be interesting to watch. That's for sure. Well, let's finish by taking a look at the St. Louis Blues because I can't figure out what. There's a lot here. I can't figure out what. And so we'll uh, we'll attempt to uh, figure out what is going on with the St. Louis Blues as we finish today's Western Conference Tuesday edition of Locked On NHL. Thank you once again for making Locked on NHL your first listen each and every day. Seth Topol of Locked on Wild and Nick Morgan of Locked on Predators finishing things out today by discussing the St. Louis Blues. Nick, this was a team that it just seems like is really very much tied to their goalie. Jordan Bennington, as he goes, so they go. And this past season, not great. I mean, the highlight was nearly fighting Marc-Andre Fleury and trying to get the Minnesota Wild bench riled up after giving up a fifth goal to tie the score at five apiece. And Bennington is a guy who can lead his team on a lengthy postseason run. We've seen that already, but it just seems like as Bennington goes, the Blues go, and if he's not going well, get the lifeboats, abandon ship, make sure to get all the women and children um, into the lifeboats first and just, just abandon as quickly as you can. Yeah. Well, I mean, the iceberg uh, happened because Jordan Bennington got out and tried to punch the iceberg instead of steering around it. So right. <laughs> that's, that's problem number one. Um, yeah. I mean, the situation with Bennington is kind of like the situation with some of these other teams we talked about where, 
the St. Louis Blues are an incredibly average team that have been boosted by really, really, really strong goaltending in the past. And if you have a season like Jordan Bennington did last year, uh, where his numbers were very, very, very bad, um, 894 save percentage, like that's going to expose a lot of weaknesses on the rest of your team. Um, and that's, you know, a situation the Blues kind of find themselves in uh, because, you know, th- there are like, you know, good pieces like Jordan Cairo and, and Robert Thomas. But, you know, like Braden Shen is, is not the same player he was a couple of years ago. You know, Pavel Bushnevich, um, Justin Falk have kind of taken a step back. You know, Tarasenko, obviously not there anymore. So there's another big hole on offense you need to fill. Ryan O'Reilly not there anymore. So, you know, if you're the St. Louis Blues, the question is, do you have enough talent uh, to kind of survive your goaltending being average to bad? And last year they didn't. And that was kind of the story of the Blues downfall. Yeah, and you look at the starting lineup combinations uh, in particular for the St. Louis Blues, and I just like to key in on, you know, the defense in particular, that decor is something and this was something that the minnesota wild two years ago could not exploit in the postseason they had a ton of injuries they had a very very gray in the tooth decor and that's just something that you know you can have as much talent from a forward perspective as you want and they certainly have that but if that blue line is suspect teams just do not stop trying to attack it and pry it open. And then at that point, you basically are left to the mercy of, again, Mr. Jordan Bennington. Yeah. And on paper, like the Blues have, you know, a pretty at least solid, you know, defense. Like Justin Falk uh, has kind of emerged and become, you know, one of their, you know, top four guys. And, you know, we mentioned we have Tori Krug, who's always been very reliable, and Colton Pareko uh, and Nick Letty, guys who have been very reliable. So, you know, on paper, they should have, you know, enough guys on the back end to, you know, not force Jordan Bennington or whoever's in goal to, you know, have to make like 40 saves and stand on his head and this and that. Um, you know, so, so that's, that's kind of the thing. And that's always been the strong point of the St. Louis blues is their defense and not just from the blue line either, but from the forwards up front, you know, we mentioned O'Reilly not there anymore, but historically, you know, he's, he and Shen are kind of the guys that had good, strong reputations as, you know, kind of holding down the fort and, you know, being able to skate back and help your defense make good plays in your own zone. Um, that's something, you know, that also the, the Blues as a team struggled to do last year was, you know, the, the offense has to be better at helping Blue Line too. And a lot of that starts uh, with puck possession, maintaining the puck, uh, being aggressive at getting the puck back, you know, both things that the Blues struggle to do this year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see maybe if that strategy changes, if they try to be a little bit more aggressive, pressure a little bit more, uh, maybe be a little bit more mindful about holding the puck, trying to keep possession. If they can do that, that probably solves, you know, a lot of the problems, you know, defensively. 
Another question that I am anxious to see how it plays out, Nick, is the acquisition uh, of Kevin Hayes. This was one that the Blues were so eager to get done that even when the initial three-team trade fell apart, they found a way to get it done anyway. And Hayes is a player who is coming off of a Philadelphia team that was just not good. And so he goes to a team that is hoping to contend, but he has much less pressure on him to do so because as it currently stands, he is slotting in on the third line. And so it's a situation for him to just kind of fly under the radar. And are we seeing a potential sneaky good season for Hayes coming up here in his first year in St. Louis? I mean, maybe. Uh, well, first off, let's acknowledge that the uh, trade that fell apart, uh, which I think a what would they say, thirteen players or pieces involved uh, by the end of it, that was eventually nixed uh, for for Tory Krug not waiting to want you know wave his no trade clause. Uh, that was a fun you know, couple of weeks in the off season, that certainly killed some time for us to be entertained with. <laughs> uh, you know, uh. as, as it comes to Kevin Hayes, I mean, look, it's, you know, he's, he's 31 years old. He's not the same player. Uh, he was, you know, a few years ago, he, he, you know, even at the, at the start of his tenure uh, with the flyers, um, you know, although he did have a really strong year last year, um, but you know, that's, is that going to be enough to kind of shore up the depth in St. Louis? You know, that's, that's the big question I have. I, I do like this just from a standpoint is, is it gives the blues another veteran presence to work with up front? You know, I, I think, you know, you don't have O'Reilly, you don't have Tarasenko anymore. Um, you know, you're, you're still looking to kind of bring along Kairou and Thomas and mentor some of these younger players coming up uh, in the system. So I think Kevin Hayes uh, gives the Blues, you know, that kind of calming veteran presence uh, along with Brayden Shen, the new captain, I might add. And maybe that adds some stability as the Blues are trying to, you know, kind of pick and choose who are the players that we're going to have on this team moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because, you know, we mentioned these teams and two of these teams, especially in the central division is kind of not that top tier where your Dallas and Colorado reign, um, maybe on par with Minnesota in that general area. There just are a bunch of teams kind of fighting for um, that third spot slash wildcard spot in the division. And it feels like it could go to Nashville. It feels like it could go to St. Louis, to Winnipeg, to Minnesota. Uh, they're all teams that could have everything go right this year and could also have everything go very wrong. So it's going to be interesting to see how these three teams in particular handle the 2023-2024 season, uh, knowing how the NHL typically works. There will be things that will go really well, and there will be things that will not. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on all three of these. Make sure you tune in next Tuesday as we continue to dive into big questions facing Western Conference teams ahead of the start of the NHL season. And we also have uh, a special edition of the Tuesday edition of Locked On NHL. Uh, in the works between now and the start of the regular season. 
So stay tuned for that as well. But uh, that will do it for today's episode. So make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss out on any of our new episodes throughout the course of the week. You can find new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.